Amen. I want to just read this passage because this is, we are dealing with today, not the last message, the next to the last message, but we're dealing with the last part of our armor. And the last part of your armor is not part of your armor. It is part of your weaponry. In fact, Paul only gives us one weapon to fight with in the battle to stand against the enemy. Remember, you are in a battle today. There is a, an enemy who is out to discourage you, destroy you, steal from you, kill, do whatever he possibly can do, but God in His infinite wisdom, has given us, the Bible says, everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. And Paul says these words starting in uh, chapter 6, verse 10 of the book of Ephesians. Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. Paul goes on and says, in this section we'll deal with next week, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, my words, that words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. But the Bible says this, take, and then it's assumed, this helmet of salvation, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is not, honestly, a difficult message to preach. Because when it all comes down to it, this Word is all we have. This Word, we are absolutely dependent upon the Word. And did you know that the very laws of this universe are dependent upon the Word of God? The Bible says that He upholds and sustains all things by the Word of His power. It is the Word of God, brothers and sisters, that keeps this world from going into the brink of disaster, whether it is natural or, or some other kind of fashion. It is the Word of Almighty God that sustains this world in its present fashion. The Word of God is vitally important to us as believers in our personal comfort, in our help on struggles on a daily basis. 
But the Bible says here that the Word of God is like a sword. It is the sword of the Spirit. We could talk a little bit about this, and in fact, I might just do so in just a moment. But I think that we have to first understand, before we get into all the positives about the Word, or at least a few positives, because there are so many, all you have to do is open up and read Psalm 19. And then go to Psalm 119. And that entire long, the longest psalm in all the Bible, the longest chapter in all the Bible, talks about one theme, has one theme in mind. It is the Word of God. God elevates the Word in such a fashion that when we get to the book of John, in John chapter 1, it tells us that Christ, when He came to this earth, was called the Word. In other words... Everything that God wanted to say to mankind, he was then going to say through his son Jesus Christ. You cannot live a Christian life and ignore the word. It's impossible. I remember years ago, my mother gave me my very first Bible, the first, kind of the first Bible that, you know, that didn't have all the pictures in it and things like that that we get as children. But my mother gave me this, this blue Bible, and I think to this day I have it somewhere. I'm not sure where. I currently don't use it because it was the King James Version, and eventually I realized nobody talks that way anymore. And so I kind of ditched it to something of more of a common uh, English that we all speak. But she wrote in the cover of that book, she said, Brent, sin will keep you from this book, but this book will keep you from sin. And that is absolutely true. We must take up the sword of the Spirit. Now, the sword is an offensive weapon. It is something to do damage. It is something to be able to strike against the enemy. Every part of the armor that we have talked about up to this point, we just read all the pieces of the armor. We've talked about them all. We've discussed them and and. and and the, the whole point of it is simply this. Take up the full armor of God. Put it all on. Don't leave any piece uh, uh, on the shelf. Don't leave anything there that you, you would need in the day of battle. But a soldier would be absolutely foolish to walk out into battle with just his armor. And not something to strike against the enemy. The Word of God is that thing that will strike against the enemy so that when you have to stand your ground, you have the ability to do so because you can come against the enemy and you can fight and you can win. God does not have failure in store for your Christian life. He only has victory. He wants you to be victorious. And the way that we will do that is to take the sword of the Spirit. Now, before we get into all of the good things about the Word, I want to deal with some of the negatives that we have to keep in mind. And it is this. It is simply what we should never do with the Word of God. If you're taking notes, simply write that down. I only have three things. There are others. I am certain of that. But there are three things that I want us to be aware of that we should never do with the Word of God. Three things that you should never do with the Word of God. And the first one is this. Never neglect it. Never 
neglect it. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Go to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says this. It says, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. That what we have heard is the word of God. The Bible says, so that we do not drift away. There are people who go to church and they make it a habit to go to church on a fairly regular basis. But when the word of God in their lives is ignored, eventually you begin to see a drift in their lives. They begin to drift spiritually. Maybe they're still in church. Maybe they're still there taking up space in a pew. But all of a sudden now the praise and the worship, it's not quite there the way that it used to be. And maybe it is that when you talk to them, their discussion no longer has to do with anything spiritual. In fact, they feel a little bit uncomfortable with the idea of a spiritual discussion, a discussion about the Bible, a discussion about what God is doing in your lives. They're not interested. They don't want to hear about it. And it could be as a result of neglect in their own lives, that there is something on the inside that they have let slip. I've told this story before, and I'm going to repeat it today. Because I think it is important for us to understand this. A young man by the name of Danny that I grew up with. We grew up in the same church. My dad was a pastor. His parents were both Sunday school teachers. Wonderful people. He was a boyhood friend. Somebody that I would, you know, we would get together. We'd play ball with each other. We'd, you know, do different things. Get together with other friends. And he was always sort of somewhere in the mix. Under the same preaching, under the same uh, counsel, under the same teaching in Sunday school and in children's church and in all of those places, in the same youth group. And as we grew and got older, Danny began to drift away. He began to just allow himself. And, and I drifted away for a while, but the Lord got a hold of me and brought me back. And I said yes to the Lord. And I remember meeting up with Danny a few years later. And I remember meeting with him as we sat across the table from one another. I began to talk to him about the Lord and began to talk to him about the Bible. And I was absolutely shocked that a guy who grew up in the same church as me under the same ministry with the same influences that I had had in my life, I was shocked to begin to see how it is that when you neglect something, you lose something. That if you don't use it, you lose it. And that's exactly what began to take place because as he began to talk about the Bible, all of a sudden he bordered on the myth, you know, some kind of a mythical idea of it. Now he couldn't, he couldn't remember what it was that he was taught. There were things that he was just muddled in his imagination and in his memory about it. And as he began to talk about it, it became clear to me that when you neglect something, you begin to let that thing slip away. The Bible says, and we just read it, that you would drift away. Don't neglect the Word of God because when you neglect it, it now no longer can have the effect in your life that God has every intention for it to have in your heart and in your mind we can't neglect this word if you neglect it if you get rid of it, you say ah forget it nobody's believing this anymore it doesn't matter who's believing it and who isn't 
Listen, there is a campaign that is, it is just raging in the day that we live in to just completely degrade the Bible and degrade the Word of God. Brothers and sisters, it's up to us to raise the standard and say it's still the sword of the Spirit. We'll get into what that means in a moment. We should never neglect it. Not only that, we should never reject it. Turn over to Acts chapter 13 and verse 46. Never reject it. Never say to yourself, that's not for me. I don't need that. I don't need what I'm hearing about. I don't need the message either that I'm hearing preached or the message that I am reading on the pages of this book. The Bible says, Acts chapter 13 and verse 46. It says, Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. This was in a synagogue Anytime that Paul, on his missionary journeys, went to a city outside of Israel in another place, there were synagogues, Jewish synagogues, that were you know, throughout the land. They were throughout the, the Gentile world, in the Roman world that they lived in. Anytime Paul would go into that city, he would first go to the synagogue to preach the gospel. And it's an amazing thing. You would never see that happen today. But he would go to the synagogue to preach the gospel and as here's what happened, then the Bible says, then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. What took place was Paul and Barnabas went in and from, remember, the New Testament wasn't written yet. He didn't say, now turn to my recently published book of Romans and let me just read a little bit from there. And I'm going to, he didn't do that. You know where they preached from? They preached from the Old Testament. They brought it to life, the prophecies about Christ. They presented them in a, in a categorical way, in a systematic way that would say, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one you need. He's the one you're looking for. And he presented it to them, and the Bible says they rejected it. And as a result, here's what happened. The blessing went to somebody else. He said, we're going to go to the Gentiles, and we read all in the book of Acts. The Gentiles turned to Christ one after another after another. Thousands upon thousands, cities and places affected. Not everybody was saved. There were riots in cities because they hated Paul. They hated his message. They hated what Christianity was doing to their idolatrous businesses. They hated all of that, but they rejected it. And as a result of that, Paul says, fine, we've got to go, and we're going to deliver the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. We're going to bring it to them and they turn to Christ. Brothers and sisters, when we reject the word of God, we are rejecting the blessing that will come with it. We've got to recognize that the Bible is full of promises. It is his great and precious promises. And when we accept that for ourselves, when we receive it for ourselves, we must realize that there is a blessing that will come along with it. Don't reject it because you're rejecting a blessing. Now, there's one final thing that we can't do with the Word of God we should never, ever do, and it is this. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. We should never, ever distort the Word of God. Never distort the Word of God. Now, I recognize today that there are different theological veins. You know, we, we, it's, it's sad, and I know that one day, God is going to straighten out all our theology. 
all the places where we sort of separate. You know, the, the Baptists don't believe a certain thing that the Pentecostals do. The Pentecostals don't believe a certain thing that the Presbyterians don't believe. And, you know, oh, we've got all these splintered kinds of... And then you've got some Baptists that don't believe the way some other Baptists do. And then you've got, you know, uh, the different denominations. And all these denominations are man-made Things that simply have served to separate the body of Christ and get us into our own little cliques. That's not how God views the body in the world. But I'm not talking about distorting in this fashion. That's not a distortion. It is simply a matter of looking at Scripture and interpreting it in a, in a particular way. Distorting is changing it to be what you want it to read. For it to change in such a way that you want it to, to be a certain thing. And when you do that, you begin to dull the sword. You can't take a sword, a literal sword, and bang it against a rock many, many times trying to hit that rock. I did a dumb thing the other day. I, well, not dumb. I was just trying to make it work. I was trying to saw a brick in half. I got out a hacksaw. Now, I've got a line all the way around the brick, but I realize at the present rate, I'm going to be 52 by the time I get through this thing. And I'm still in my 40s. It's just not going to happen, you know? And, and so they, they make tools for that, which I don't possess. But nonetheless, we'll get it cut one way or another. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, and the more I'm doing it, the more I'm realizing I'm making less headway because I, I'm dulling this hacksaw. Hacksaw is not meant for that, and even what it is meant for over time, it just gets dull. You can take a sword, bang it again. The more you distort the Word of God, you change it to be what you want it to be, it dulls the effect. We can't distort the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. The Bible says this, Paul writes, and he says, Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We do not distort the word of God. That word distort means to falsify. In other words, we make it say something that it doesn't. Do you know the Jehovah's Witnesses have taken the entire scripture, the entire Bible, and they have rewritten it to read exactly how they want it to read? If you ever come across a New World translation of the Bible, it's not the Bible. It's their version of it. It is their, their idea of what it should say rather than letting the Hebrew and the Greek speak for itself and letting the writer speak for itself. Do not distort the Word of God because you're going to dull the effect of the Word of God. So we've got to get to this now. And it is this. What can be accomplished by the Word of God. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. What can be accomplished by the Word of God? There are three things that I just want to point out to you that can be accomplished by the Word of God. What is accomplished by the Word of God? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. The Bible says this. It tells us what the Word can do. It pierces the heart. Like a surgeon's knife, 
It goes where you cannot go. It accomplishes what you cannot accomplish. The Bible says this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows, marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now listen to what it does. It penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirit. Do you know that theologians wrestle with each other whether or not there is even a soul and spirit? I believe personally that we are body, soul, and spirit. There are those who just believe we're just body and soul. I'm not going to sit and argue with them about it. I don't really, you know, in the end it doesn't really matter. What matters most is is that the Bible seems to indicate that there is a soul and a spirit that is within us, that is us. This body is just, you know, it's kind of like somebody said, you know, it's just the shell, the nut has passed on. Uh, you know, we're, the, you're the nut. The soul and the spirit it makes up the nut. And the shell is just the body. Well, that's a crude illustration about it, but... The Bible says that the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, penetrates and it divides. It goes to where no one can quite figure it out. God can use His Word, minister to you in such a way that it will pierce your heart, that it will change your life. It will give you what you need to be able to live a holy life, be what God wants you to be, the Word of God goes deep down on the inside. Not only that, the Bible says that it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God knows what's really going on in your brain right now. God knows what's going on in your spirit, in your heart. He knows how you're feeling this morning. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows, in fact, how you feel about the person across the aisle that you avoid on a pretty regular basis. Pastor, did you just say that? Sorry. Yes. No, that doesn't happen here. You know, in other churches, in other places, you know, God just, he, the Word of God can really pierce and divide the attitudes and, and get to the heart of the matter. But that's what the Word of God does. The Word of God comes and it judges us. It helps us. It motivates us to move in a direction that is more and more like Christ. It gives us a picture of who He is. It helps us to be His, to live like Him. Now, there is something else it does. Turn over to Psalm 119, verse 133. Psalm 119, verse 133. If you haven't read Psalm 119 in a while, take it in chunks. Take it over a few days, but you will see that it is all about the Word of God. Whether, whether David says, my, your laws, your decrees, your commands, all of those things, it is the Word of God. But listen to what the Bible says. It says, direct my footsteps, how? According to your Word. Let no sin rule over me. The Word of God gives direction for your life. The Word of God gives direction for your life. 
some, some people say, well, I'm not quite sure. Maybe the younger people, I'm not sure what to do with my life. Get into the word of God. Let God speak to you. Say, but he's not, you know, there's nothing about biochemistry or there's nothing. No, I understand that. But let the, let the Lord speak to you in your heart. God can speak to you through his word in such a way that it will help you to realize that no matter what you choose for a career in your life, it will direct your life to live for him in a way that honors him and pleases him. It is the same chapter that we find where David says, your, your, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's the same chapter where we find, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. The word of God, brothers and sisters, gives us direction that we might live in a manner that pleases God, honors him, honors his word, and in the end brings glory and honor to him in such a way it's a testimony to the world. Some of us, we just want to blend in. I don't think God is really all that interested in you blending. I think he has called a holy people. He has called out a peculiar people. He wants us to be just a little bit different than the world so that the world can look at us and say something salty about your life. Something about your life is different. There's, there's a light going on here that, that I, I don't see in anybody else in my life. I don't see what's happening, but there seems to be something. Why are you happy when you shouldn't be happy? There's trouble in your life. What's going on? Brothers and sisters, it's because the Word has given direction to your life. Not only that, there is something else that is accomplished by the Word of God, and it is this. It empowers you in temptation. It empowers you in temptation. We could take the time. I'm not going to take the time to read it. But you remember when the Bible says in the Gospels that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And three times he was tempted by the devil. The devil came right at the end of a fast, a 40-day fast that Jesus had been on his body physically was weak his body was hungry he was absolutely he was spent he was tired he was weary and now all of a sudden the devil shows up devil it, as far as we know we don't see at the beginning of it all that the devil showed up then he showed up at the end right at your weakest point and yet in all of those three occasions Jesus used the word of God to come against the enemy and defeat the power of Satan. You see, what Satan was trying to do was simply lie to Jesus. In fact, Satan was a master distorter. He distorted the word of God on more than one occasion in those temptations. And Jesus came back with the word of God in its proper context with how the word is written and defeated the devil. If there is any verse or passage of scripture that shows that the word of God is a sword that can defeat the power of the enemy, it is the temptation of Jesus. Go back to it. Don't try to find hidden meanings in it. Don't look for all kinds of strange things. There's nothing strange in there. It's the Word of God defeats the power of the enemy. As we take that sword and as we thrust it toward the enemy, we can advance against the kingdom of hell and make a difference in the lives of people that we are, we are trying to witness to and the enemy is trying to block that. He's trying to get in the way of all of that. Brothers and sisters, it is the Word of God that that can get in and pierce their hearts and change them. 
So it empowers you in temptation. I love the Word of God because later on Paul writes and he says this about temptation. He says, there's no temptation that has taken you, but such as is common to man. I remember reading that for the very first time. And I remember thinking to myself that in my temptations, I was the only one. Anybody ever felt that way? You felt like you're just nobody really understands what you're going through. And you know what the Bible says? And here it is. This is why we need the Bible, because the Bible teaches us, listen, you're not alone. There's no temptation that's taken you, but such as is common to man. And God will, with the temptation, make a way of escape so that you can stand up under it. I kind of like that. Because the escape is not an avoidance. The escape is being able to stand your ground and stand strong. It is the temptation comes, you just don't have to give in to it. We talked about it recently that you don't have to sin. You don't have to give in to the flesh. You don't have to do that because He empowers us in the midst of our temptation. It is the Word of God that will keep you and defeat the enemy. Keep the Word close. Get it into your heart. Get it into your mind. There's one final thing that I want to deal with, and it is this, what we should always do with the Word of God. Since we have it, we are blessed to have it. Do you know that there are still nations and countries of the world that do not have the Bible? There are still languages where the Bible remains untranslated into their native language. There are places on the earth where no one has ever seen this book. And yet on our shelves, we have multiple copies of multiple translations. If you've got a computer and you've got some Bible study software on your computer, you have access to multiple translations, multiple languages. You can, go, you can, get, uh, you can get those things and, and study the Word of God. And yet it's an amazing thing that sometimes with all that we have, we avoid it. I think, brothers and sisters, we have to be more careful with the Bible and recognize that the Word of God is going to help us to overcome the enemy. But there are some things that we should always do. Just the same way there are things we should never do, there are things we should always do with the Word of God. And the first thing is this, we should declare it. Go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. We should always be ready to declare the Word of God. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. The Bible says this, Those, that is believers, who had been scattered, preached the Word of God wherever they went. We read it again. Those who had been scattered preached the Word of God wherever they went. In the early church, there was a persecution that took place. Right at this time, Paul was still Saul. He was still a persecutor of the church. And there were others as well. They were persecuting believers. And so it happened that at certain times, the believers would have to leave their homeland. They would get up and they would run. You'd think, well, that's cowardice. No, it's not. Because the Bible says that wherever they went... 
they still open their mouths about Jesus. It's only cowardice when you run and you say, I can never talk like that ever again. I'm never going to do that. Sorry, Lord, but I like my life. But the Bible says about them, they were persecuted here. It scattered them somewhere else. And here's the advance of the gospel happening right in front of us. The persecution happened over here. They spread out over there where the gospel had never been preached before. They preached the gospel. And now the gospel is being spread throughout the world. Brothers and sisters, somebody might have told you somewhere out witnessing or maybe in a discussion. They say, I don't want to hear that kind of stuff. And you say, okay. And you walk away. How many of you have ever been discouraged by that? I have. I guess I I shouldn't do it. People don't want to hear. No, we've got to have the heart and the mind of the early believers when they are scattered, when somebody shuts the door in front of them and says, sorry, not interested. You move on and go to somebody else and you preach the gospel, you deliver the gospel. We've got to be ready, brothers and sisters, to declare the word of God because Paul wrote in Romans, how are they going to hear without a preacher? And I'm not talking about somebody standing behind a pulpit. A preacher is somebody who simply declares the word of God in an effort to persuade men and women to come to Christ. How are they going to hear without a preacher? We've got to declare the word of the Lord. Not only that, we've got to depend on its power. The Bible says that it is the sword of the Spirit. This is where it gets down to the nitty-gritty. I am all for testimonies. I'm all for what God, I believe there's, there's value and it's, it's important for us to share what God has done in our lives. But you know what? When it all comes down to it, if we don't anchor it to Scripture, we are just telling people a story. They hear testimonials all the time on TV about the, you know, the new device that somebody invented and it's going to change your life. And somebody comes up with a testimonial for, oh, this is going to change your whatever. What do people do? They pick up the phone and they dial 1-800, whatever this crazy thing is, and let me buy five of them because I got to give this to my family. All on a testimonial. Can you imagine what will happen if you add your testimony to the word? And get the word mixed into your testimony, I encourage you. You say, well, I'm not sure what my testimony is. Sit down and write it, write it out. Write it down sometime, what God has done for you. Write down what the Lord has done. And then begin to find scriptures in the Bible that you can get in there. Why? Because the scripture is the sword of the Spirit. And we are absolutely dependent on the Spirit of God to take His sword into the place of somebody's heart that I can't see, you can't see, and you can't get to. But the Word of God is able to get there because it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it gets to the place where that that person needs to hear it and they can respond. Listen, the Bible says, and Paul wrote to Timothy, he said these words. You don't need to turn there, but just listen. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 9, for which I am suffering even the point of being chained like a criminal. He says, but God's word is not chained. 
God's word is not chained. When you share the word of God with somebody, it will change their life. You say, but at that moment, what if they say, no, I don't want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to hear it. But you know what the word's going to do? The word is going to go after them. The spirit of God is going to, it's like a, like a knife coming at somebody. That's why the Bible, it, it likens it to a sword because it, it's going to follow them. It's like the attacker just coming at somebody and just thrusting that knife into them. And it just, they can't get away from they can't get away from that word they can't run from it that's why some somebody once called the spirit of god the the hound of heaven he goes after you and after you and after you until finally you come to a place of repentance listen brothers and sisters we got to depend on the power of the word because it is still the sword not of you but of the spirit the sword of the spirit god works through his word This is why we must, yes, share your testimony, but share the Word of God. How do I do that? I've got to get it into me. Well, the only way that I can do that is I've got to receive it. The Bible lets us know that we should always also receive the Word of God. Acts chapter 8 and verse 14. If you're still in Acts chapter 8, just go down to verse 14. The Bible says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. That word accepted also means to receive. They heard the word of God and they received it. Now this was for salvation, but there are times as we sit in, in church and we hear a message preached, or we sit down to read the Bible and we think, that is so far from what I need right now. Let me just close the Bible. Listen, the moment you close it, you're not receiving anything. We have to have an attitude of a receptive heart. God, let me receive what you have for me. And there have been times I've read scriptures that I've felt just horribly condemned in my life as a result of it. But you know what? There are times in the Bible where God wants to take his surgical knife, that sword of the Spirit, and get down into the heart and find that place where maybe, just maybe, something is amiss. And the only way to do that is the Word. The Word of God. Don't, don't wait for somebody to come up alongside of you and say, Sister, brother, I just sense something's happening, something's going. You don't need that. You've got the word. God sometimes has to use that on top of it because we're not listening to the word. Help us, Lord, to be receptive to the word of God. They received the word of God. And there was one final thing we've got to do. We absolutely have to do. We should always hold firmly to it. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 2. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 2. The Bible says this. Paul writes, and he's about to go into his discussion about the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 2, By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to, to you. Otherwise, he says, you have believed in vain. He says, we've got to hold firmly to the Word of God. Paul preached to them. He delivered a message of hope, the hope of the resurrection. 
and he's about to go into this discussion about how people are changing it. They're saying, no, there is no resurrection of the dead. He says, wait a minute, there is a resurrection of the dead, and here's why we believe it. Over 500 people saw Jesus alive afterward. All of these things took place, but he says this, and he tells them, he says, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Brothers and sisters, we've got to hold firmly to the Word of God. There are people who are trying to discredit the Word in the day that we're living in. They are doing their very best to say, this book is arcane. This book, you don't actually need it. In fact, they are changing and and changing the interpretation of it. You hear anybody speak about it on TV. You hear any anybody in the secular media or anywhere else. They begin to talk about the Bible and they talk about it with such disdain, such this this disbelief and and this frustration. But brothers and sisters, God is looking for people who will hold firmly to it, like that that. That one of David's mighty men by the name of Eliezer who was out and, and fighting against the enemy. The Philistines were coming in to, to just take this little patch of lentils. And, and as he looked around, he saw all of his fellow Israelite soldiers running and fleeing. He's standing there alone. And the Bible says about this man that he grabbed onto his sword and he began to fight. And he began to defend the ground that God had given to them. That God said was theirs that the Philistines wanted to take. And the Bible says that the man fought with such, an, such a, a vigor. He, he fought all day long fighting against those Philistines. And the Bible says that his hand became so tired that it was stuck to the sword. I want to tell you, that is a great vision in my mind of how we need to be with the Bible, with the Word of God. Don't let it be something you just, oh, I've got to go to church. Let me grab my Bible. I got to go to church. Let me let me see what let's let's see if I got a good word to share with somebody as I'm riding to church. No, 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 no. Brothers and sisters, we've got to let the word of God be deep within our hearts. We've got to hang on to it tightly because there is an enemy who threatens. There is somebody who is trying to take you out. There is somebody who is coming against you. But the Bible says that God has given us the full armor of God to put on and that final peace is the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. You hang on to it. You might be tired. You might be weary. You might be spiritually tired. There might be things going on in your life that just wearies your soul but can I tell you and can I encourage you today the word of God is going to help you to stand your ground when the enemy comes along and he thinks he can beat you but instead you can stand your ground and you can fight with everything that is within you because you know the word the word is on the inside of you you've got to get it in you so that when he comes at you you've got something to strike back and you will be that last one standing. That is God's point for you. That is God's plan for you, to be the last one standing. The devil is not going to win. The devil, see, everything that God has given to us in, Acts, or in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 down through verse 18, the Bible lets us know everything that he has given to us is enough. It's enough to defeat the power of the enemy. You don't need anything else. 
Don't grab the latest self-help book by somebody that you just you saw on TV and they just they're so good and they're so funny and all of that. You've got everything you need right here. You don't need that other stuff. You need the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let's stand to our feet right now. And I want us to give God praise. I want us just to worship him and thank him right now for all that he has done for us, for everything that he has given to us. Lord, we thank you today. You are a mighty God. We give you the glory and the honor today, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we worship you today. God, we thank you for your peace. We thank you for everything that you have given to us to live a life that honors you and pleases you as believers. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would have your way, O oh God, in us. I pray, Lord, that we would take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We would never let it separate from our lives. We would never neglect it and let it go. We would never distort it to make it say what we want it to say. But God, we would believe it for what it is. And Lord, recognize the great power that there is in the Word of God. Right now, Lord, I pray that we would give ourselves anew and afresh and commit ourselves to reading Your Word, to remembering Your Word, to getting Your Word deep down on the inside of us. Oh God, Your Word we have hid in our hearts that we might not sin against God. I pray for Your people, oh God. I pray that You would encourage them in Your Word, strengthen them to live for You. Lord, let the Word speak to them at every point in their lives, at every place they are at. Oh God, I pray right now for Your power and Your grace and Your strength to come over them, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank You. We love You. We give You all the glory and all the praise, oh God, in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen and Amen.